Taiwan reported 21 local cases on Friday, the most since the downgrade to a level 2 COVID alert. Nine of the cases are from a cluster infection linked to a factory in Jiayi County. Ahead of the weekend and Father's Day the following Sunday, Health Minister Chen Shizhong urged the public to social distance and wear a mask as they enjoy outings with family and friends. Taiwan reported 21 local cases on Friday, including nine linked to a factory in Jiayi County. A former factory employee had gone to get a gastroscopy and tested positive in a PCR COVID test. That was how the Jiayi cluster was discovered. There's an employee whose blood we tested. We discovered that he had antibodies. Prior to the middle of July, he had lived in Taipei's Wanhua district. He started working in the factory in Shuishang Township on July 18. His history and high CT values suggest that this employee may be the source of infection. The county government has identified 43 close contacts and released information on where the cases had been before being diagnosed. Starting Saturday, expanded screening services will be offered in four townships. Jiayi has also invited Wang Bishen, deputy head of the CECC's Medical Response Division, to set up a response unit on the ground. Between July 22nd and July 28th, 132 COVID cases were detected across Taiwan. Greater Taipei accounted for 73 percent of them, up from 58 percent the week before. Levels 2 and 3 do not entail a prohibition on movement. That is to say, under Level 3, there was no prohibition on movement across cities and counties. There is no prohibition under Level 2. I think that in general, people have been taking it easy, and there's been an increase in outdoor excursions and meetups with friends. But the basic structure of the restrictions hasn't changed, so will there be a massive impact? I don't think so. This coming weekend will be the first since Taiwan entered Level 2. Next week is Father's Day. With a rush of gatherings on the horizon, the health minister implored the public to take precautions. Tomorrow and the day after tomorrow will be the first weekend since we lowered the alert level. I would like to ask this of everyone in Taiwan. Going outside to let off some steam is fine, but please maintain a safe social distance and keep your masks on. Only then can you enjoy a safe outing. If everyone starts going out in droves on Father's Day, we will see infections and cases announced one week later. That's something to note. Ke says Father's Day will be a big test for Taiwan's COVID prevention measures, but the Taipei city government announced a slight easing of COVID restrictions. Starting August 9th, children's summer activities at elementary schools will be allowed to resume, with limits on pupil numbers. Each class will be capped at 20 kids, with priority given to activities that last just half a day. Turning now to the latest stats on imported cases, new lab testing results have identified one case of the Alpha variant and seven cases of the Delta variant among recent international arrivals. One of the seven cases had received two doses of the Pfizer vaccine more than 14 days before arriving in Taiwan. Let's hear from the Central Epidemic Command Center. We tested him when he arrived in Taiwan. He had a CT value of 26 and he tested positive in a PCR test. Among the seven cases announced, he is the only one who had been vaccinated. As of Friday, nearly 32% of Taiwan's population has received at least one COVID shot. About 342,000 people have received two doses. 
So far, nine people who received their full two-shot course have ended up contracting COVID. Five of them had received their second shot at least 14 days before their diagnosis. Health Minister Chen Shizhong says the vaccine offers immunity in 95% of cases, meaning that about 5% of people will still become infected. He said people should still take COVID precautions even after being fully vaccinated. Taiwan's restaurants are now open for indoor dining, except in Taipei, New Taipei and Yilan. On Friday, Yilan announced that it will allow dining in at restaurants starting August 3rd. Taipei and New Taipei say they may follow suit depending on their daily case counts over the next few days. Stir-fried tofu doused in a special sauce. This is the chef's signature dish. And this is pork neck, blanched then stir-fried. It is crispy, not greasy. After more than two months, this well-known stir-fried restaurant in Taoyang has finally reopened for indoor dining. Even after reopening for indoor dining, the owners dare not be careless. In the past, more than six people could comfortably eat their meals at this table. Now only three people can sit at a table and there must be partitions between them. Dishes have to be served in smaller portions, and like previously, where larger dishes could be shared family style. It is not the same experience when the food cannot be shared, but rather has to be served separately. Furthermore, trying to interact with relatives and friends through a partition is not ideal. In reality, everyone is still scared. Even though Taoyuan is opening up again, we are still cautiously observing what will unfold. We are now at a spicy hot pot restaurant in Gaoshan. Three friends arrived at the restaurant hoping to eat together, but found themselves eating alone. Restaurants have been open for almost a week, but they are only seeing 30 to 50 percent of their usual patronage. At the moment, indoor dining is permitted everywhere in Taiwan, except for Taipei City, New Taipei City and Ilan. However, the number of patrons dining in has been disappointing. The Taipei City government said that as long as the epidemic remains under control, indoor dining will be permitted as early as August 3rd. New Taipei City will observe how the epidemic plays out over the weekend, and will announce a decision on indoor dining on August 2nd. Elan authorities have announced that indoor dining will reopen on August 3rd. <laughs> Ahead of the reopening, Elan County Commissioner Lin Zimiao inspected COVID prevention measures at hotel restaurants in Jiaoxi District. She set out to ensure that the partitions and social distancing protocols were satisfactory. Penalties will still apply during the epidemic prevention period, so industries must comply with the regulations. I hope that the rules will be observed for the sake of everyone's health. As Ilan is a big tourist county and a gourmet food capital, it must be very careful when easing restrictions within the food and beverage industry, officials said. For restaurants, there is still a long way to go before returning to their former glory. Turning now to the Tokyo Olympics, Queen of Badminton Dai Ziying faced off against Thailand's Rechenok Intanon on Friday in a nail-biting quarter-final in women's singles. After a bumpy start that saw her losing in the first set, Dai staged a thrilling comeback to ultimately win 14-21, 21-18, 21-18. She's set to face India's PV Sindhu tomorrow in the semifinals. Over in the men's doubles semifinals, Taiwan's Li Yang and Wang Xiling overpowered their Indonesian rivals in straight sets. They're heading now into the gold medal match against China, which starts Saturday at 7.30 p.m. 
Former track and field athlete Ji Zheng is launching a fresh push to change Taiwan's Olympic name. Ji, who won bronze in hurdles at the 1968 Olympics, plans to petition for another referendum on changing Chinese Taipei to Taiwan. She had unsuccessfully promoted the same referendum once before in 2018. Experts say that with global sentiment turning against Beijing, the time is ripe to act if Taiwan wants to see change. The BBC headline reads, three countries that can't participate in the Olympics under their own name. Taiwan is first on the list. According to the BBC's Chinese language report, the name Chinese Taipei often confuses global audiences, leading some international news outlets to simply use Taiwan. It cites an article emphasizing that in all respects, Taiwan is an independent country separate from the People's Republic of China. Ji, a former Olympian, agrees. Once again, she wants to launch a referendum on changing Taiwan's Olympic name in time for the 2024 Paris Olympics. None of us Taiwanese people want our national team to be introduced as Chinese Taipei. Let's have a referendum. Let us succeed in rectifying our name. Ji launched this referendum once before in 2018. The results fell short of hopes, with one million more people voting against the name change than for it. In 2018, weightlifter Guo Xingchun publicly opposed the referendum. Athletes feared that changing the name would trigger Chinese ire and affect their right to compete. Even when your Olympic name is Chinese Taipei, they say you're a Taipei, that's Chinese, using the name to suppress you. If you call yourself Taiwan, they will call you China's Taiwan province and use your new name to suppress you. Since you will be suppressed either way, why not be forthright and adopt an Olympic name that truly represents Taiwan? China is exercising its wolf warrior diplomacy across the world, and the world is becoming increasingly resentful. Japan, Germany, the US, South Korea, and even Russia have all taken the lead in putting our national flag in international media. What are we all waiting for? The time is ripe. If we don't act now, when will there be a better time? People across the political divide say they stand behind Team Taiwan. Under the latest laws, passing a referendum by 2024 will require a broad societal consensus. Now we have a pro tip for Olympics fans. The games are captivating viewers across Taiwan, but with a team of athletes 68 strong, few of us are familiar with everyone on Taiwan's national team. If you're wondering just who it is that's competing in front of you, now you can use facial recognition to find out. A website gives you any athlete's name if you can just upload a photo of the person. Viewers are glued to their TV to watch the Olympics. Whenever Taiwan competes, the games become especially compelling. But are you familiar with all 68 members of Team Taiwan? Guo uh -huh. uh, If not, here's a handy shortcut. This tech company's invention will get you up to speed with just one image. While you're watching the games at home, if you come across some athletes you don't know and you want to know their names, you can use this facial recognition page to find out in an instant. Upload a photo of the mystery athlete on your phone or computer. The site uses facial recognition to identify all 13 athletes in this image. Using our Taiwan-made facial recognition technology, you can search the Hall of Fame and identify any celebrities you're interested in. 
People are really using it a lot during the Tokyo Olympics. We have more than 30,000 searches a day. I've never really paid attention to this stuff, but it tells me the person's name immediately. I think athletes are bringing glory to Taiwan and it's very impressive, so I want to know who they are. Next time you're watching the games and an unknown face pops up, you don't have to hang tight in curiosity, unless you want to. Whip out your phone and look up who's competing without missing a beat. Friday marks the first anniversary of the passing of former President Li Donghui. Government officials, including President Tsai Ing-wen, pay tribute to Li at the Wuzhi Mountain Military Cemetery, where he is buried. In honor of Li's memory, Japan's de facto embassy in Taiwan has opened a section in its library featuring 100 books from Li's own collection. Large bouquets are presented in tribute to former President Li Denghui, who died last year. Early on Friday, President Tsai, Vice President Lai Qingde, Premier Su Zhenchang, Legislative Speaker Yu Shikun, and Control Yuan President Chen Ju gathered at Wujin Mountain Military Cemetery. Li's daughter, Annie, spoke warmly of the president's support to her family after her father's passing. Over this past year, the president has expressed her care and concern regarding my father's funeral arrangements and his unfinished work. She cares about my mother's health. Although everyone thinks of her as a very rational person and an expert negotiator, she does a lot of things to show you she cares. We were touched by that. President Tsai also paid tribute to the late former president on social media. In a Facebook post, she said Taiwan was resolved to continuing along the road of democracy. On Friday, the late president's daughter Annie Lee and her husband Lai Guozhou met with President Tsai on behalf of the Lee household. Annie Lee said that on the anniversary of her father's death, she spoke to him at his grave. I kept telling him that although I will never be able to climb to his heights, I will retain my human warmth. The people of Taiwan were what he cared about most. So whenever we do anything, we have to think about how to help the people remain united. Everyone misses him a lot. I told him that mother is doing well and that he should not worry about her. Also thinking of President Lee on the first anniversary of his death are his friends in Japan. Former Japanese Prime Minister Abe Shinzo has stated he would like to visit Taiwan to pay his respects. Japanese representative to Taiwan, Izumi Hiroyasu, will be going up to the cemetery this weekend. He already came once last year. This year, he arranged a visit very early on. The Japanese envoy keeps a low profile on these issues. Our foundation will keep up its work in Japan. Meanwhile, Japan's de facto embassy in Taiwan has devoted a section of its library in Taipei to Li Denghui, with 100 books from his personal collection in both Japanese and Mandarin. Although the former president has been gone for a year, his legacy continues bringing together the people of Taiwan and Japan. Dentist Pan Yuming and the Taiwan Dental Association recently donated 200,000 face masks to Japan to thank the country for giving Taiwan COVID vaccines. The masks were collected in a public donation drive and sent to Tokyo and Minami Soma City. For the sake of protecting the people of Minamisoma City and ensuring that their lives are safe and secure, Taiwan made a great contribution to our city's epidemic prevention measures. We express our deep gratitude.
Minamisoma city is part of the Fukushima prefecture. Fukushima prefecture was affected most by the 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami. That was the starting point of a friendship between Taiwan and Japan. The Japanese people are still extremely grateful for the disaster relief provided by Taiwan following the tragic event. And now, we Taiwanese are extremely grateful to Japan. We can provide a small token of our appreciation in return. At a ceremony in Japan on Thursday, the mayor of Minamisoma City presented a certificate of appreciation to the Taiwanese people. It was accepted by Dr. Sei Hirochi, a friend of Pan's, who helped to deliver the masks. Peter Tsai, deputy representative of Taiwan to Japan, delivered a speech on behalf of the Taiwanese, hailing the friendship between the two nations. With the relaxation of COVID rules comes the reopening of public attractions. In Taipei, parents will be delighted that the Children's Amusement Park and Taipei Zoo are once again flinging their doors open. The park has limited tickets on offer, so visitors can social distance on rides. The zoo, on the other hand, has more space, and zookeepers ask families to prepare to be gentle and soft-spoken. You don't want to shock the animals. Let's take a peek inside the preparations at both venues. Without the shouts of terrified passengers, this roller coaster sits lonely in lockdown. Taipei Children's Amusement Park is preparing to welcome visitors back. You can see the whole park is empty right now. But next week, you'll be able to take a ride on the carousel, just like me. The park reopens on August 1st, but only 1,600 visitors will be accepted each day, and all tickets must be pre-booked. Within 48 hours, 70% of the first day's tickets were sold. We came just to see if they're open or not. We'll wait for a weekday, when there will be fewer people to avoid the crowds. Excited kids come to the entrance of the park to scope out the situation. Park employees are hard at work preparing to reopen hygienically. Seats on all 15 rides have to be booked. Those seats will be thoroughly disinfected after every usage. The next group of visitors will only be allowed on the ride after it has been fully disinfected. Visitors will also be guided into a safe, socially distant seating plan. A single group or family will sit together. We'll prevent people sitting in the same cart with visitors from other groups. To maintain social distancing, thrill seekers who go to the park alone will get an entire roller coaster cart to themselves. The park is carrying out continuous safety checks to make sure all the equipment is good to go. Meanwhile, at Taipei Zoo, similar work is underway. After months out of the limelight, these animals are about to be face-to-face -face with visitors again. Panda babies Yuan Zai and Yuan Bao are public darlings. The alpaca have dashing new haircuts. Many pandemic babies were born in the last two months, including this little zebra. As well as black-capped squirrel monkeys, meerkats, palawan peacock pheasants, lanyu pigs and kookaburra. Opening on Sunday, the zoo will welcome 3,600 people a day for either morning or afternoon slots. Remember to book your ticket and keep your voice down in the grounds. The animals aren't used to noisy humans anymore. The racket of visitors running around might take some getting used to. 
If you want to have a taste of rural life without leaving the city, Guangdu in Taipei might be the place for you. Just minutes away from the city, the area has rice paddies and plenty of wildlife. To attract day trippers, a local foundation has turned the rice paddies into a piece of art made with rice plants in different colors. Let's take a look. This greenery is among the last rice paddy in Taipei. It now bears an artwork made using different rice varieties designed by the Qixing Water Management Research and Development Foundation. The picture on Greenfield features seven stars referencing the foundation's name, an ox representing diligence, and a bird representing the migratory birds in the area. The first element in our painted rice field is the seven stars representing us. The second is an ox, representing the hard work of cultivating this land. There's also a bird. We have a lot of migratory birds passing through Guangdu, which just shows how healthy and natural this area is. The paddy field is over 100 years old. By turning the fields into a green canvas, the association hopes to preserve traditional rice culture and grow people's appreciation for the Guangdu Plain. This is a continuation of the 2020 Guangdu Plain Rice Paddy Art Event. We'd like to thank Taipei's Department of Economic Development and the Irrigation Agency's Qixing Management Office under the Executive Yuan's Council of Agriculture. They cooperated with us to promote the rice field drawings here in Guangdu. Our goal is to let Taipei residents know that there is a place in the city that you can visit to relax and learn about rural life. For those that would rather stay at home, the association has a video captured with a drone, offering a bird-eye view over the living artwork. For Most News, Stephanie Yang, Lu Botong in Taipei.